Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail, where mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I'm your host, Gary Ware. And today on the show, I have Steve Ulcer. Steve is a New York Times bestselling author. He is a TEDx speaker. He's a motivational speaker. And most importantly, he is here on the show to help us find our passion and stay awesome. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we jump into your journey and we just find how you got to where you are today, give our listeners just a quick little teaser uh, about what you're about. So... Um, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> if, if you ask my kids, I'm all about, uh, you know, basically being Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, if, if you ask my wife, it's really all about being John Holmes. And, um, you know, and if you ask some of my clients, then uh, they'll tell you that uh, it's really just about spending money and not getting any return on their investment. So, yeah. you know, it uh, just depends on who you ask, man. Yeah, cool. And, and as far as your book, you, you wrote this book, What Is Your What? And it's all about just finding your passion and, and being significant. What was the catalyst for that? So, you know, it's interesting, man. I, um, I've always kind of been on this, uh, this journey, right? My own journey of, of searching. Um, and in author land, they say that you write the book that you most need, right? And so, you know, for me, it's, it's really always been sort of that discussion around, what the hell am I doing here? You know, and what on earth do I have to offer? Right. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the question that we all, I I don't want to say struggle with, but you know, I think some of us, it comes, it comes easier to some of us than others. Um, and for me, it's never come easy. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not an athlete, you know, so, I mean, I did some things. I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for, you know, 14 years, and, you know, that's that's fun and a great experience of getting your ass handed to you on a daily basis. Um, you know, but, you know, so, you know, athletics wasn't my route. I, I DJed for a number of years and played drums and had my own nightclub, so music was pretty good for a while, but then that kind of ran its course and kind of bounced between different things. So, anyway, long story short, I, you know, I really wrote the book for myself, because ultimately I had tried to do some of the modalities like Myers-Briggs and what colors your parachute and, you know, some of those other things that are out there. And they really all left me with more questions than answers. And it seemed like people were making things much more complex than they needed to be. And I knew there were pieces of the puzzle that just kind of seemed missing from the equation. And we can go into some of that obviously in a bit, but, you know, long story short, again, is I wrote the book for myself. And for those of you who are listening, if you would like a copy of this book, a free copy, make sure you listen to the end because at the very end, I'll, I'll give you a link um, that you can go to and, and get your own copy. All right. So in the book, it, it talks about just how to be significant and you have a great, you know, actually, even before we get into that, um, let's just hear your story. In your TEDx, uh, you had a very moving uh, talk about how you didn't feel significant, yet you were this successful author and um, you know consultant. So l- let's dive into that, and because I feel our audience needs to hear this, why did you not feel significant? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess I can blame my Jewish mother, you know, but uh, but I won't because she might actually listen to this. But um, 
you know, I mean, look, reality is that um, yeah, we kind of all have these lines in the sand that we draw, right? And no matter where you are in life, I mean, right now you've done, you know, 100 interviews and, you know, your new line in the sand is 200 interviews, right? And then you're going to scratch that out and then you're going to want 500 interviews, right? I mean, whatever it is. I mean, you've got a, a girl who's a six on the scale and now you're wanting a seven, right? And then you get your eight, your nines, your tens, and then you realize, well, that's way too much work. So then you go back to your five because, you know, they try harder and that's, you know, a good thing. We like that. Um, so, you know, reality is, and don't get me wrong, my wife is a 10. She's an 11 by, you know, because she will probably watch this. She's an 11 yeah. plus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, man, it's like, I, we're, it, it's kind of f***ed up, man, because, you know, we live in this society where it's just, it's always kind of this race, right? And it doesn't matter where you are in that race there's always someone who's going to be in front of you and there's always someone who's going to be behind you and it's like we want to kind of keep the people who are behind us behind us and we want to try to catch up to the people who are in front of us and so it's like you know you never find and i'm speaking obviously in general general terms here but you never really find that place of peace that place of contentment where you're just happy as you are and you're just content as you are and you feel significant with who you are and what you've done at least that's been the case for me and so what i've struggled with is you know really just trying to get to the point where the impact that i've had and the relationships that i've developed and the people that i've worked with they've gained benefit from my being in existence with which in and of itself means that my life is in fact significant right and that's that's a conscious choice that that's a light you know switch right i mean you you literally have to flick it on in order to embrace that mentality so it's um it's been a challenge right and uh and i you know i firmly believe that you are one choice away from making the most important decision of your life, which is choosing to recognize that you are significant in this very moment. Yeah, that is so powerful because, especially in your talk, you, you talked about you know the left side and the right side, especially for people who don't have jobs and stuff like that. And on the left side, you're bored, you know, you don't have motivation, X, Y, and Z. And then when you, like, you get something, you have motivation, um, you know, you, uh, you know, you have all these things, but the one thing that was so powerful is you said the all that it takes to make that jump is for you to make that choice and actually push yourself forward. But but not doing that, it costs everything. And yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel our listeners just sometimes need a little little slap in the butt and 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 say, hey, you know what? It's it's great to push yourself, but you know, you just need to just keep on going yeah yeah and you know man i think that the the way to think about it is as you know as i as i said in the tedx talk you know when you're looking at that left side of the board which basically are just you know like i use the example of being unemployed right and when you're unemployed um you know it's tricky i mean it's tricky because you know you're feeling um it, things are challenging right i mean you're feeling uh, depressed, you probably have anxiety, you're probably just, you know, worried about the future and you, your self-worth is low, et cetera. And then when you, you know, you sort of cross that magical line in the sand, 
and you get that job, then instead of being depressed, you know, you can shift to being happy instead of being, you know, having this anxiety, you shift to being calm and et cetera, right? I mean, so you get the left side, the right side. And what I ask my students to think about and what I talk about in, in, in the TEDx talk is, you know, what does it really cost you to shift right now in that way of being from the left side of the board to the right side of the board? And the answer, of course, is, I mean, it truly costs you nothing, right? I mean, it's just, it's just a conscious choice. But by not making that choice, I mean, it truly costs you everything. And that, I mean, that's the harsh reality is if you go into a job interview with that left side of the board on your shoulders, you know, you're depressed, you're angry, you have anxiety and, you know, everything else, you know, that job interview obviously is not going to go very well. And if you choose to walk in that job interview feeling happy and, you know, calm and peaceful or whatever it might be and confident, you know, obviously it's going to go a lot better, but it doesn't cost anything for you to make that switch. Yeah. And even though it doesn't cost anything to make that switch, I feel we are still stuck in that left side mindset. Um, Steve, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so hard for everyone to flip that switch and just take that first step? Yeah, you know, man, it's, um, it's a really hard question to answer. And I think for many of us, it just really boils down to the demons that we all have and battling those demons on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I think we all have sort of that angel and that devil, right, that sits on our respective shoulders. And I know for me, it's a battle to kind of push the, the devil away right? And focus on, on what's good. I mean, but it's easy for me to let the devil take over. And, and I think a lot of people share in that, you know, that, that line of thinking, because, you know, I've talked to, you know, literally thousands of people and, and it's a struggle. I mean, and frankly, it's a struggle for um, a lot more of our society than people are willing to admit. I mean, I, I see it every day. And so, you know, I'm not willing to throw a per, like a percentage on it, but I can tell you that um, there are a lot of people who struggle with being able to make that shift. And one thing that you talked about in your TEDx talk is the whole just mindset of just chasing the dollar. And when you're always chasing the dollar, it just seems like you're on this hamster wheel and you're always going to be running and you're going to probably just get burnt out do you feel like you were going like that? And if so, what did you do to sort of change? Yeah. And, you know, so I've been an entrepreneur since my late teens. And I mean, literally, um, you know, I'll show my age here, but I, I think you can probably relate to this, you know, kind of going back to an NWA quote, you know, literally trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, right? You know, I mean, like that's, you know, that's kind of been the story. Yeah. Um, and so always wired as an entrepreneur. And, a lot of that work is basically creating widgets, right? I mean, it's, it's chasing the opportunity as opposed to creating the opportunity. And as an entrepreneur, you know, we often get caught up in those circles. I mean, look, we all, you know, we all need glasses, right? I mean, something's got to hold the water so you can drink it. But, you know, it's a commodity. And, you know, when you come right down to it, does it add any real value to the world? Sure. I mean, you know, people, people have to drink from a glass, um, and do you want to be remembered as the 
person who, you know, gave people a, a vessel with which to drink their, their liquids, then, you know, I mean, then you may have felt like your life was significant. For me, I, I hit a turning point. Um, and since you're referencing the TEDx talk, I'm, I'll share the story, which is um, in 2009, I had been going down that path of these commodity-oriented opportunities, you know, real estate and dot-coms and widgets and, I mean, you name it. And in, uh, in March of that year, um, my stepfather, who raised me since I was 10, very, you know, very much a father to me, and we were um, together, unfortunately, um, he was in his final days of life and I was sitting bedside with him. And as I sat next to him, he could no longer verbally communicate, but I believe that we were able to connect to that point of physical touch because as I, as I held his hand, I had a vision of my funeral, not of his funeral, but actually of mine. Um, and I could hear the words being spoken graveside, which were basically, here lies Steve Olsher. He dedicated his life to chasing the almighty dollar. And that's all that was said. And, you know, I mean, it did, it hit me hard because I truly believe that he was showing me my inevitable fate unless I changed course. And it was like, it was that fork in the road, right? I mean, that come to Jesus moment, I mean, whatever you want to call it. I, I now call it a, a yay, no moment, right? A yes, no moment where you, you kind of hit that fork in the road and you've got a choice. I mean, yes leads you in one direction, no leads you another. I mean, like this interview, you asked me to be on, that was a yay, no moment, right? I mean, I, you know, yes, I'll be on the interviewer. No, I won't, right? I mean, that's, that's ultimately what, you know, we, we all face literally every moment of every single day when you come right down to it. I mean, it's, you know, you, you have a yay, no moment right now. I mean, it's how you sit in that chair. It's, it's what you're drinking out of that cup. It's, you know, what you're going to be doing at the end of this interview. I mean, it's just, those are all yay, no moments, right? And so for me, it was that, that fork in the road, that yay, no moment where I could either heed what he was showing me and do something about it, or I could just continue down the path that I had forged. And, you know, I didn't know what to do, but I knew that something had to change. Um, you know, I, you know, if you do enough research on, on me, it's, Steve Olsher, O-L-S-H-E-R. So if you look up Steve Olsher, I mean, you'll see I'm, I'm candid about it. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been battling depression for my whole life. I mean, really, I can look back and, and I'm not saying that I ever got to the point of taking drastic action. But I mean, it certainly wasn't um, unusual for me to think about what happens if I don't turn the wheel of the car. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing, right? So, um, so you know, man, it's... Um, it's, it's been a struggle, and, and it, but I didn't know, like I said, what to do specifically. But I did know that, um, you know, I, I, I had to do something different. And so the first thing that I did was I started putting pen to paper. And just to share some of the tips and tools and strategies and shortcuts that had worked well for me in my life, um, you know, in the hopes of, of helping others. And that's when I began writing my first book. And, and it just kind of continued from there. But that's that's pretty much the impetus. That's the story. And there's so many takeaways from your story. And, you know, one of the big things is, like you said, we're always faced with these yay, no moments. And we intrinsically know what we need to do. But there's always that fear of, well, how am I going to do it? Or what are people going to think? And I feel the people that are, you know, really living their life to their fullest potential are not necessarily worrying about 
the how. They just know that they just need to do it. Like in your case, when you knew, hey, look, I'm going down this path where it's not going to end well, I need to change. And you may or may not have had that answer, but you knew that in your heart of hearts, you need to make that change. And some it's crazy how this happens, but when you consciously decide you want to make a change and you make that known, the how just appears. Yeah, you know, I'm, um, I'm not totally a subscriber to that notion of the how appearing. But what I can tell you is that things will never go as good as you hope they will. And they'll never go as poorly as, as, as you fear they might, right? So, I mean, there's, yeah. always, there's always going to be, you know, a middle ground there. And, and reality is in that middle ground, in that, in that process of taking action and moving beyond what you know today, who you know today, and how you know how to do something today, and being willing to do something that is outside of the, the zone of, of your comfort, if you will. I mean, that's truly where the solutions then come together. That's truly when the, just the act uh, in and of itself of being in motion puts you in a place to receive things that you wouldn't be able to receive if you stayed here. Because what you need is here. And if you're not willing to make that shift and take that chance of moving further down that path, you'll never figure out what it is that you need to do. And as you said, the how to do it. But, you know, again, I, having been an entrepreneur now and knowing what it takes to make something come to pass as you envision it to, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of trial and error. And, you know, it's a lot of sleepless nights. I mean, none of this shit comes easy. Yeah. And, and so what you would say is we need to take imperfect action. You just need to take a step. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great way to put it. And, you know, I think that we as human beings are, we're always concerned with what the result is going to be of the action. And I think that if you can, if you can take a step back, and stop tying the action to a result, or shall I say, tying the action to an anticipated result, it puts you in a much different frame of mind. Because then it's like, you know, if you tell somebody I love you because you want them to say I love you back, that's a much different experience than just simply saying I love you because you want to express yourself to that person about how you feel about them and why, you know, they're, they're just, they're, you're just so happy they're a part of your life, right? I mean, that's just, a, that's just a much different experience than doing something with the expectation of a certain reaction or result. We need to go back and just repeat this. If, if there was like a, a little replay, I, we would rewind this and, and replay it. That is so powerful. Taking action without an anticipated result. Because as we all know, nothing, just like what you said, is going to end up where you want it to be. And you should do things for your own reason, whatever that is, but don't expect something um, very specific in return. Yeah, exactly. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that things won't go to plan. And I'm not saying that everything is just, you know, going to 
you know, just be crap. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, you know, certain things are going to work really well and certain things aren't. But it again, it's just it's people get paralyzed, man. I mean, you know this. And yeah. so, you know, it's just when you when you become so concerned with the outcome, taking that first step really is 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 so much harder to do. So if you can just detach yourself from the outcome and just take that action, it, and it's a much different experience as well. And that's super hard to do. I'm not saying I do yes. that well. Um, I mean, I try, but I mean, that's super hard to do. Yeah, no, I totally agreed. And it go for anything. I, I know even starting this podcast in the beginning, it, you just get caught up in all the details and it can be paralyzing. And uh, one of my mentors just said, Gary, like, calm, calm the hell down. Like, just schedule an interview. Step one, <laughs> schedule an interview. Right. Uh, get that down. Like, record your first episode. Like, forget about how is it going to be published on iTunes or how are you going to promote it. You will end up in your head and, yeah, just take that step. So whatever, for you listeners out there, whatever it is that you're trying to do, whether it's trying to level up your job or step out on your own and start your own uh, side project or, or side hustle. Just take that first step. And that's a good transition. Just so jumping into your book, you know, um, you know, what is your what you lay out a blueprint, a framework uh, that will help people find out what their what and teach them how to be significant. Um, I don't want to give away the whole book uh, because I want people to go out and get this book. But Steve, if I'm you just can, gonna do the, I'm just going to do the rest of the interview like this, if that's okay. Is that, is that all right? <laughs> yeah, some subliminal messages. Right. Uh, but if you could just give us just... But wait a minute. If people are on audio, they would have no idea that I just did it. So basically, I just held the book up in front of my face for about a minute. So, yeah. okay, keep so going. If yes. you can imagine, so for those of you who are listening, <laughs> just imagine just yes. this little white book just floated in the air. What is yes. your what? Exactly. Uh, but anyways, so Steve, if you could just lay out just the high-level blueprint of on how people can be more significant. So there's a couple of different ways to, to address the conversation around understanding what your what is, right? And, and so first and foremost, what I'll, what I'll offer is that in my way of thinking, your what has nothing to do with your passion. It has nothing to do with those things that you're fired up about. I mean, you know, passion has its place and you should be passionate about what you do you know, you should be passionate about, you know, conducting this interview. You should be passionate about sharing your mission and message. You know, all of that stuff you should be passionate about. But simply because you're passionate about something doesn't mean it's what you're compelled to do or naturally wired to excel at. So your what is really all about that which is, that which is within your DNA. I mean, it's really already there. It's within your blueprint. What I like to say is your what has chosen you, and it's not that which you have chosen. And so the general framework for what your what is and the equation, and the reason why I created this, again, is because I just found so many holes and everything else that I was trying just left me with so many questions, is, you know, there's, I, I, I basically boiled it down to three specific components. And this is all... Um, this isn't just theory. I mean, I've, I, I teach something called the Reinvention Workshop. And the Reinvention Workshop is a course that I, you know, thousands of people have gone through now. And so I, this was all trial and error, man. And this, this was revised literally over years. And what it boils down to is the what is your what equation requires you to be clear on, number one, 
what your true core gift is. And so an example of a true core gift is something like teaching or communicating or enrolling or protecting, you know, or something of that nature. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like an, it's an active verb, but it's a way in which, you know, you share your, your gift with the world. And so once you understand what that true core gift is, like, let's say, for instance, maybe it's healing is that true core gift. The second piece of the puzzle then is the vehicle. So what vehicle are you going to use to share that gift with the world? So going back to the healing sort of suggestion here as the gift we'll use for an example, an example of a vehicle that could tie into healing would be like nursing, right? So healing is the gift, but the physical action, the manifestation of that gift in the way that you share that gift then is found in the vehicle. So perhaps nursing is the vehicle that this person uses to share that gift. And the third piece of the puzzle, which you know is arguably equally important, if not more so than the other two pieces potentially, are the people, right? Who are the people that you are most compelled to serve? And so it's the combination of the gifts, the vehicle, and the people that create the what is your what framework. So when I ask people what is your what, it's really about the answer to those three specific questions and how that all then ties together with what they do for others. And so, you know, that's, that's the what is your what equation. And, um, and what I have found is that, you know, most people will go through life without being clear on one part of the equation let alone all three. So believe me, if, if this is a question that you have, you're far from alone. So Steve, my question for you is, what is your what? Right, exactly. And unfortunately, Gary, it looks like we're out of time. So um, <laughs> I'm just gonna have to, gonna have to cut this short. No, um, you know, man, it's interesting, <laughs> right? I mean, we, um, I, I, let me put it to you this way. I'm clear that my core gift is communication. So communicating is my core gift. When you look at the three parts of the equation, your gift, your vehicle, your people, the gift is, is static. I mean, that's really, I'm not saying we build monuments here, but that's set in stone. I mean, it's pretty clear that that's something that's going to be with you for your whole life, whether you deny it and, you know, don't share that gift with others is a whole other, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, the fact is that that gift is constant. So I'm clear that that gift for me is communication, communicating. Now, the vehicle that you use to share that gift with the world and the people that you're most compelled to serve, those are more fluid, right? Those are more organic. Those can shift over time. And I think what ends up happening is so many people feel like, you know, it's funny because the, the subtitle of the book, What Is Your What Is, discover the one amazing thing you were born to do. And it's a little bit facetious because it's not about one thing that you have to do for the rest of your life. Perhaps the way that the subtitle should read is discover the one amazing thing you were born to do for now, <laughs> yeah. right? Because, you know, again, it's, it's fluid, you know, it is organic. So, you know, the, the vehicles that I use primarily um, are teaching, writing, and speaking, right? I mean, those are three primary vehicles. And the people that I'm most compelled to serve really are those who are in transition, you know, those who are trying to figure out what's next. They're here. They don't like being here, wherever here is for them. 
and they want to go someplace else. And so, you know, so my what is really helping those people who are in transition figure out the most effective, efficient way to get from point A to point B. Wow. There we have it. Um, (laughs) And and so just thinking about that, would you say that people that are just fed up in their jobs and they're just frustrated, even though like on paper, like you have a great job, um, do you think there's a a misalignment somewhere? Is that one reason? Um, You know, I mean, look, I... I'm not going to get into other people's heads. I mean, I've tried that before and it's not pretty. (laughs) Nobody wants me in their head. Um, So, you know, here's the the reality is that we can look from the outside and have our own opinions about what's going on in the head of, of someone else. But until that person stands up and says, you know, I fucking hate my job or I'm really doing this simply because I want the paycheck and I loathe just being in that cubicle day in and day out or, you know, opening up the shop at 8 a.m. and leaving at 9 p.m., you know, or whatever it might be, you know, until they make that conscious choice and gain that awareness and make that statement out loud, you know, it's really, it's, it's you know, it's kind of an effort and futility to, to figure out, you know, why people do what they do. But I can tell you that it's, it's really a sort of a downward spiral, that so many of us get into. And, you know, because we've kind of perpetuated this educational myth for decades now, where you come out of high school, you go into college, you possibly can't afford college, so you get college loans, you know, and then you've got student debt and this, that, and the other, or you don't. But either way, you come out of college and then it's like, well, you know, I'm 21, 22 years old. I don't want to still live with mama. You know, I want to do my own thing. So you go out and you get a job, like any job, just because you want the hell out of the house. Right. So now it's like you got your rent and then you're like, well, wait a minute. I got to, you know, I, I got to get places. So I got to get a car. So so now you got your rental payment. You got your car payment. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. These, you know, this old Navy T-shirt just isn't cutting it anymore. I got to go Gucci, you know. So now like everything in your wardrobe is designer. So, you know, and then you start dating higher maintenance people and they want to do, you know, bigger, better things. And so before you know it, you know, you've got a ten thousand dollar a month nut that you got to crack. And it's like, you know, you can't get out of that situation. So, you know, part of what I ask people to think about is, you know, what is it that you want versus what it is that you actually need? You know, think about that because that transition for some people can take years where what I say is, you know, look, 100% of your income right now, if you're, if you're not thrilled with what you're doing and you want to pursue your what on a more active basis, then you know, 100% of your income may be derived from what it is that you don't want to do, and, and 0% of your income is derived from what you do. So as soon as that dollar one comes in from sharing your what and making money with it, you know, that recipe mixture starts to shift, right? And so 10% of your income, 20%, 30% is now derived from your what, and so you'll know when it's time to cut the rope where you can say, okay, I can leave this day job and focus 100% on what my what is, but... If your monthly expenses are such that that transition, you know, potentially could take you three years because it's $10,000 a month versus I could live in a smaller apartment, I could take public transportation, I could actually cook instead of eating out every night, I can shop at Old Navy, 
you know, I can do whatever it is that will drastically reduce my monthly expenses. If you can take those monthly expenses from, you know, whatever it is, let's just use the baseline of 10 grand and bring it down to two grand. I mean, you've cut that transitionary period down by 80%. And so instead of taking three years, you know, 300 and what is that? 36 months, nice math. So 36 <laughs> months, you know, you've taken that down from three years, let's just say 20% of that, you know, it's basically seven months, right? So in half a year, you could get to the point where you're now fully into what it is that you are truly compelled to do. Yeah. And one big thing that you talked about that I want to briefly touch on before we jump into a lightning round is finances and just being able to just chop that down because so many people that I talk to and mentor, that is one of the things that is probably keeping them from like doing the work that they're, that they want to do is they're too high maintenance and there's probably a lot of pressure, you know, and sometimes obligations, which is unfortunate. But if you want, as you mentioned, if you want to speed up that transition period, you gotta, you gotta cut that back. And, and I think one of the other things you said is awareness because far too often we have this, this cloud, this facade, this, whatever it is. And we're just going down the road and we're not really present on what we really want. We just know that we're not happy. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I think that, yeah, we don't need to beat the horse there, but I mean, it's true. You know, I mean, again, it, it is simply a function of, you know, how quickly you truly want to begin pursuing your what on a full-time basis. And, you know, frankly, you may not want to leave that day job. I mean, there's a lot of people who just, you know, it's a security blanket. And I'm not going to say what's right or what's wrong, you know, and I'm not going to be judgmental about it. But, you know, there's a lot of hours in the day. So, I mean, you can keep the day job and do what it is that you're truly compelled to do in the off hours. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Period. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Let someone else fund your life. I know. I I have a good friend of mine. He works at a job and he you know, goes in, he does what he got to do and he leaves and he spends, you know, the free time, the, all the other time, uh, tuning cards and, and doing stuff like that. And he's completely fine with it. Exactly. And so, you know, look, man, I, all I know is there's only two ways to use your time. You know, you can spend your time or you can invest your time. Yep. And there's a lot of hours in the day. And we spend a lot of our time. I mean, if just keep a journal for a week. I mean, I, I know I'm guilty of it. You know, just sitting around watching a football game. I mean, that's three hours. Yep. Gone. Not to say that it wasn't fun. But just don't forget that when you're doing that, you're supporting those people realizing and living their what. Yeah. Which is okay. But just recognize that you're supporting those people on their journey of, you know, of living their what. Yeah. Exactly. And then there's so many other ways that we spend spend our time like like on on our devices, on on stuff like this. And you blink and well, there was three hours. Yeah, exactly. F- Facebook, man. I suck yeah. for telling it. Yeah, I but know. exactly. Well, this is really good stuff. And for everyone listening, if you want to get the framework, if you want to find your what, if you're if you're stuck and you are looking for that for help, some guidance, uh, you need to get this book. And if you go to www.breakthroughcocktail.com slash what is your what, you will be redirected to the page where you can get a free copy of the book. Steve has been generous to, to give it to Breakthrough Cocktail listeners, so definitely take advantage of that. 
So before I let Steve go, we have to do what we do on every episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. We need to jump through the lightning round. Sweet. Uh, Steve, are you ready for it? Oh, man, I was born for something. Not sure I was born ready for this, but, you know, yes. (laughs) There we go. And it wouldn't be a Breakthrough Cocktail podcast without discussing what is a cocktail or beverage that you enjoy consuming. Um, So did I mention I own liquor.com? Yes, you did. (laughs) So I thought it was great because, you know, Breakthrough Cocktail. Yeah, there we go. I'm in the personal development self-help space. I'm also in the internet marketing.com space. I was like, like, that's that's a cool name for a podcast right there. Um, you know, man, I got to tell you, I'm not, funny enough, I'm not a big drinker, but you know, for whatever reason around noon, I, man, the sound of a Coke opening up and that first sip of a Coke, man, that is, that is my, that like, I don't even need to drink the whole can. It's just like that first, like, that's my thing right there. Like once a day, like three sips of a can of Coke and I'm solid. Nice. And does it, so it has to be out of a can, right? Is that, it has to be out of a can. Yeah. Fountain doesn't cut it, man. Yeah. It's that little crack that exactly. you hear the fizzle, the, and then you take that sip and the bubbles just like hit your throat and it's like, <sighs> yeah, no, I put the can like right in front of my face. Right. So like when it opens up, you know, it's like a facial. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a Coke facial. <laughs> a Coke facial. Exactly. There right. we have it. Uh, yes. that, and my wife likes doing it to me. Just so you know. I know. She's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She gives me a Coke facial. I guess she's just returning the favor. Yeah, there we go. Is she like that? Ah, how do you like it? There it is. Rub it in. It's good for Makes your, your skin. Your skin looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, right? Protein. Awesome. <laughs> Next question is, uh, Steve, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. Um, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm envious of those who knew that shit, man. I, I never had like, ooh, I want to do that kind of thing. You know, I mean, because, you know, I... Look, I would have loved to have been a porn star, but, you know, I'm white and Jewish and, you know, that's just nobody wants to see what I got going on. So, um, you know, man, it's uh, so that, you know, that that was removed from the equation pretty quickly. And plus, you know, once I got married, my wife wasn't too thrilled with my idea about having a, you know, career in that. But, um, you know, I I just I never really had that like, man, I really want to do that when I grow up. I just never had it. So I can't even tell you. Cool. No worries. It's all good. So other than wanting to be a porn star and whatnot, do you have any current hobbies that you like to enjoy? Um, yeah, man. So I, uh, so I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, been doing that for about 14 years under Carlson Gracie. And, um, and I still, uh, still do some DJing, you know, man. So, um, so still love DJing. Still a house head to the end, man. From Chicago, you know, Chicago house. It's, uh, it's in the blood. Can't do anything about it. Um, but if you ask... Um, you know, if you ask my wife about what I'm into, she'll tell you me because like I like I don't ha- I've had stat, you know, I've had big organizations and all that. I'm man, I'm done with all that. Right. So to me, it's like when I when I create a video, I'm doing the editing. When I do like an audio, I'm doing so like every time she turns around, she sees me looking at me. Right. So if you <laughs> ask my wife, she'd say that I am my hobby. <laughs> there you have it. Um, I think my wife would say the same thing. <laughs> Just the other day I was yeah editing some stuff. She's like, really? Really? Again? Right? Not get tired of looking at yourself because I get tired of looking at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I hear you there. Yeah. Um, so you're your your businessman. You're, you you travel around. You speak around. Uh, what are three things that you take hey, don't with tell you? My wife, I sleep around. She doesn't want to hear that. Sorry, speak around. You speak. Oh, got it. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Not sleep. Oh, I got you. Got you. Uh, what are three things that on your body everywhere you go, or in your person, I should say? Right. Um, a flashlight. Um, Definitely. Um, 
water-based lubricant. There we go. And, um, I mean, if I'm being completely honest here, Violet Crack. There we are. Yeah. Don't leave home without it. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Wait, did you ever, did you ever see the suit, man? Did you, do you remember <laughs> yeah. the suit? Yeah. Do you remember when they used to do keeping it real going wrong? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there Wait, we have keeping it, it real goes wrong. wrong. Yep. <laughs> and then that ended up on Chappelle's show. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Funny. Sorry, we digress. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That that would be awesome to just be airport security watching that bag go through and they're like. <laughs> right, there we go. Let's just let him go. Yeah. He's got more issues than we get. Yeah. Even if we threw him in jail, that's not going to help. So just, just let him just let him go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If you had to create the soundtrack of your life, what three songs would definitely make the cut? Oh, okay. So that's easy. So Lenny Kravitz, Fly Away, because I don't know if you can see it, but I'll show you. That's like, that says Let Love Rule. So, Love it. Um, you know, it's my homage to Lenny. It's a tattoo for you who's listening. Yes. Um, so on my forearm, it says Let Love Rule. So yeah, I mean, definitely Lenny Kravitz, Fly Away. Um, I'd have to say, um, Marshall Jefferson, move your body. If you're a house head, look it up. Mm-hmm. You'll know that one. Um, and you know, I kind of got to go old school and, uh, probably do like, uh, if I want to do like, I would say I want to thank you by Alicia Myers. I believe that's her last okay. name. So yeah, I think those would be the three. Nice. Um, other than your book. Are there any other books that you would recommend to our listeners? You know, I had the privilege of, uh, of knowing Jay Conrad Levinson before he passed. Oh, wow. And, um, and so Jay wrote guerrilla marketing and, um, you know, if, if you haven't picked up that book and it's amazing to me really how many, um, millennials and younger folk are not familiar with that book because, you know, frankly, it's, it's an older book at this point. Um, but so many of the teachings that you'll find in guerrilla marketing are as applicable today uh, as they were when Jay wrote it. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely recommend it. Good book. Good book. And um, other than let love rule, are there any other quotes or affirmations that you like to live your life by? Um, you know, it's uh, it's more of what I like to tell other people because it's hard for me to remember this stuff on my own. But occasionally I'll remember it. Um, but one of the, I've got two of them. So number one is, um, you are the solution to someone else's problem. And so, you know, whether you realize it or not, they are literally waiting for you right now. They are praying for you right now to show up in their life. So you are literally the solution to someone else's problem. And number two, you know, when you look back on your life, you'll most regret failing to act than taking action and realizing what those weak-minded people term as failure. Because, you know, in reality, failure doesn't exist. It's just one of those terms of ignorance that, you know, those weak-minded people like to throw out at those who dare to soar and attempt to bring them down. So here's the summation. So the summation is I choose to view failure as success with an unintended ending. So there you go. And so if you do what you said in the beginning and don't set specific outcomes on certain events, then who's to say you failed? Exactly. There we go. And then the last question, and then I'll let you go, is if you can give our audience one tip, one thing that they can do right now to help them get clarity and live a life that they deserve, what would that be? It would be to grant yourself the time and permission to figure out what brings you 
the most joy, what brings you the most peace, and really just where your soul really soars. Because you know when you're in that moment. You know, it's like, I liken it to when time flies. I mean, maybe you love building model trains and you go down after dinner and it's, you know, seven o'clock and you turn around, it's one in the morning and you want to, you know, keep building for another six hours. I mean, wherever that is for you, the more you can do of that, the greater the quality, uh, you know, of your existence. I mean, it's a natural byproduct of that. And we spend so much of our lives doing things that don't bring us that type of fulfillment and so little of our lives where our soul really soars that, you know, it's no wonder that so many of us, including myself, you know, just struggle with this day-to-day life, man. So, you know, just really look at how much of your life is comprised of things you loathe versus things you love and grant yourself the time and permission to figure out the other side of the equation. Yeah. And then make more time for it. And then do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, Steve, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I am so grateful that you are on the show and and sharing your wisdom with the audience. And I know that everyone listening is going to get so much value out of out of this short conversation. But before we say bye, if you can just let our audience know how they can stay in touch with you if they really found this valuable and they want to uh, continue to you know uh, follow you and 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 check out stuff that you can do, um, the floor yeah. is yours. Yeah, I mean, to check out what I do, I mean, just come to my house. I mean, I live at 39. No, just playing. Um, <laughs> I mean, you could do that, but um, don't stalk me, though. Um, yeah. But, you know, look, the, the reality is that probably the best place to start is, uh, is just at steveolsher.com, S-T-E-V-E-O-L-S-H-E-R.com. And, you know, send me an email, steve at steveolsher.com. Uh, to, much to my wife and family chagrin, I, um, I answer the, every email that I get. So, you know, if you, uh, you want to reach out, feel free. Great. And if you're looking for some cool recipes and uh, stuff regarding cocktail, go to liquor.com. That's there you go. <laughs> another product as well. Please do. Yeah. All right. So that's been another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. This has been an awesome experience with Steve. And until next time, everyone, stay awesome. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome. Stay awesome.